Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Uh, I do have a little bit of an announcement to make for the listeners. Um, I've had a few people reach out to me, so some people already know about this. Um, but if you were interested in the tailored coaching mentorship, catchy name, pretty creative too, <laughs> um, shoot me an email, Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com, um, which is all in the description of this podcast too, but we are almost live for that being done. So I want to say day one of the course would actually be September 14th or September 21st, a Monday. Um, but we've basically almost finished all the portal and we're uploading all the lectures and everything like that. Um, so we are taking uh, uh, 10 people. It's going to be like maxed out at 10 people. We are going to take them in. They're going to go through 12 weeks of modules. So Every single week is a different module, different course, lecture. So you'll go through a whole month of nutrition coaching with Caroline. You'll go through a whole month of evidence-based coaching and, and how to read research and how to dissect research and use research with Brandon, our CSO. And then go through a whole month of a bunch of different stuff with me where I go into program design for training. And then I go into business development and coaching systems and stuff like that. Um, so we have lectures every week. We have a quiz at the end of every uh, month or every like course with each module. person. Each, well, there's a module every week. How many modules is there? 12. Okay. So we have a module every week. There's a assignment every week and then there's a quiz the fourth week. Okay. So the last week of each like section, I guess you could call it three months, three months, three sections, 12 modules, three quizzes. There you go. Nine pieces of homework. There's a private Facebook group. We're going to go live in the Facebook group every single week. So not only are you going to go through this course that we created to help you become a better coach, but you're also going to get a chance to interact with us every week, ask us questions about your specific business, your specific clients, whatever you're doing, and then we're going to be able to troubleshoot that with you. So the goal with this was like, I, I didn't want to create another like certification course where we create all this content, somebody goes through it, and then they get a piece of paper saying, hey, good job, you you read everything. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't prove shit. So. Yeah. Um, like even on the homework and the, the quiz and stuff, like there's an 80% pass or fail rate. So if yeah. you don't get 80%, you you fail, you have to try again. Um, but what we wanted was like an interactive coaching environment. So it wasn't just like, all right, let me open this textbook and hopefully pass the test, which I can use Google for at the end of the, yeah. the period of time that it takes me, but also to be able to be like, okay, the people who do the coaching and do the research and actually created the course, I'm going to ask them questions every single week. There you and go. I'm going to have access to all the, the webinars, all the live Q&As. Um, so very interactive. It's going to be a lot of access and we're doing it for a pretty damn good deal because it's the first time. Yeah. Um, but we're opening 10 spots. We haven't even launched the sales page for it. So if you're interested in this and you want to get in before that even happens, you can lock in a spot now because we have uh, most of the stuff done so we can actually sell you the membership or the mentorship. Um, but 
hit me up, Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. We can get you in before it even opens. Um, like I said, 10 spots only. So if you're listening to this and you're a coach and you want to learn from us, I would highly recommend reaching out ASAP because I think this will fill up quick. It's, yeah, that's going to be sick. There's so much value inside. And, and I'm stoked too because I brought somebody in to create the portal. So it's like really well done because if I was going to try to do the back end stuff, I mean, we know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> um, but uh, really, really cool course. I'm, I'm super excited for it. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. I got two other things. Uh, one, uh, dude, the charity shirts went really well. Yeah. Dude, that was sick. Yeah. We, so we just put in the order – this morning i think mm -hmm. i didn't but um i think she put she approved the what is it called when they approve the you yeah. know they send yeah, you yeah, a yeah, shirt yeah. proof so yeah. they she approved shannon approved the proof today i think sent them the payment um and now we just have to calculate shipping and then we'll know how much we're actually going to be able to donate yep but um i mean we did we're going to donate over two thousand dollars for sure i can't remember how much yeah but which is good because you know, it costs twenty one eighty to make the shirt, and then yeah. if, at least a few bucks to send the shirt because we yeah. get a pretty good discount with FedEx since we use them so much for our client stuff. But if you spent the minimum was thirty, I think, which means that's only like a five dollar donation. Yeah, so not that much. I might we might make most people did a lot more than that. Oh, it was like fifty fifty. Yeah. Um, which at the same time, it's like you know what, like you donate how much you can donate. You know what Definitely. I mean? Like we might increase a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but the next shirt might not take as much to print either because we're not going to do anything on the back. Mm. The front of the shirt is the only thing. Mm. And it's so dope. Dude, I'm so excited for this one. It's, uh, don't, oh, oh, oh. well, they won't know. Oh, like, okay. so basically what we're doing for some of these, I'll just give it like a hint. Okay. So basically what we're doing for some of these is taking some like just really cool, well-known, just like legendary, uh, bands, like rock bands and taking their like logo and then designing our own version of it in yeah. a way obviously it's not the exact same thing because copyright that's issues. yeah that's not legal <laughs> but um close enough to you know what it is yeah. right you know who it's who it's trying to represent and everything so um i mean some of the bands like the guys are dead like that we couldn't even reach out and try to get <laughs> if we could, if we wanted to but uh no i'm super excited for those because I mean, you know me. I just love like old rock bands and alternative music and You're shit like that. You're going pretty so. far into this detail, man. Dude, well, actually, that was Shannon's idea, and I was like, "Can we do this band?" That's all I said, and she was like, "Yeah." I was thinking this one, this one, this one. I was like, "All right, cool." So, um, the guy already finished the the first one we're gonna do though. So that'll probably we'll probably do that like late next month. Cool. They're probably gonna be like 45 days apart. Yeah. Because we realize like doing it once a month is a push. Yeah. It might even be every other month because, yeah. like promoting, launching, leaving it open all week, yeah. then gathering all the sizes and then contacting the people, like getting the shirts, sending them out. A overwhelming. Oh, that was a lot, dude. Yeah. Definitely uh, more than we thought when we were like, yeah, let's do this. But um, every month. Yeah. So we'll probably do every other month, which, which I think is fine too. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's great. At the end of the month, like at the end of the year, that's six months of donating thousands of dollars every single time. Like yeah. that's fucking huge. Yeah. So on top of the children's hunger fund that we already donate to every month. So I'm stoked. But yeah, that went really, really well. We're going to change a couple things on the checkout page just so it's improved. Like, for example, when you got your shirt, there wasn't a selection for men or women. And some like women were reaching out and saying, hey, like I actually want a man, uh, like a male size medium, not a female size medium because they run small. And we we're like, oh, shit, we should have put like male or female or like if somebody like Pat, right? 
you're like, well, is it Patty, Patricia, or is it Patrick? Yeah. You know, you kind of don't know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that happens. Or like, I mean, we get international clients, so sometimes like I can barely pronounce the name. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. So we're gonna change that to make it easier for people so they can actually select. Because Tori, <laughs> Tori was like, went through and emailed each individual person to get like, do you want a male or female size? Do you want yeah. a male or female size? Like over and over again, which was cool. Um, but yeah, man, I'm stoked about those. Dope. It's gonna be sick. Third thing. Boom. Boom. If you guys are listening, you can't see. Oh. <laughs> but if you're watching on YouTube, which if you're not subscribed to YouTube, go subscribe to damn yeah. YouTube. Um, we have a, is it a light up sign? Is that what it would be called? A neon. Neon sign. There you go. Neon light. Neon light sign. This is tailored coaching method. So sick, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to stare at it. I, it was, <laughs> I was like all excited because I knew you were coming in after we put it up. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I like turned out the lights. I didn't want to open the garage cause I didn't want you to walk through the garage cause I knew we were going to take a picture out there. Turn this on. And I was like waiting and you're just like, what's up? I'm like, what up? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I was like, ta-da. And you're like, what? I was like, dude, <laughs> it's on the fucking wall lit up. You're like, oh shit. It wasn't lit up. Yeah, it was. I had it, it was? lit. Yeah. I had the lights off. It was lit. What the hell? It was early. I was like, hey, I need you to come in before oh, I leave yeah, on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could tell you, it was, you just woke up. But, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. It's so dope, though. Dude, I love it. Yeah, check out my Instagram or check out the YouTube so you can see it. Yeah. It's super cool. All right, well, uh, we're going to do a Q&A today, and we got quite two, a bit of questions. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. Ten questions. So it looks like. So, um, all right, let's start right off. Uh this is a good, good first question. Um, Sivi Kanja, uh, does does it make sense to do an ag- aggressive mini cut to lean out a bit or lose a bit of fat gained on a holiday? If so, would you just drop calories aggressively and then follow up with a fast reverse? So jump or or jump back to higher calories or pick a slower approach. So I think if you're doing a mini cut for four weeks, there's no sense in reverse dieting. I mean. Four weeks is not long enough to create any metabolic adaptation. So anytime and and typically when you do a mini cut, which I think we covered in the nutrition FAQ. Yep. um, If you didn't listen to those, go listen to those because they're super. Those are honestly my favorite ones. They're just like like right to the point, like a ton of really good questions. But um, a mini cut is more for somebody who's doing a gaining phase or they're a performance athlete and they need to shut off a few pounds for like for CrossFitters. Right. I've used this with CrossFitters that are competitive and they're like, my weak point is not my strength. My weak point is not my muscle mass. My weak point is my gymnastics. Mm. So how many pull-ups can I do? How many muscle-ups can I do? How fast can I run a mile? Things like that. Or, or my cardiovascular system. I'm like, all right, well, you'd benefit from dropping five pounds, right? So leading up to this competition, we're going to like do a mini cut, then re- like bring your fuel back up right before the event. It's not long enough to cause any long-term fatigue, but it's, it's long enough to create, you know, a four or five pound loss. So you're lighter when you're trying to do pull-ups. Yeah. It makes it easier. Um, it's even like watching like CJ, like his strength isn't going up at all right now, but it's because he's dropped 30 something pounds now, but he's like cranking out more and more pull-ups every week. Hmm. Why is that? Well, it's cause he's lighter. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, he doesn't even need to get stronger. He yep. just loses weight. Yep. Um, same thing applies with this. So if you're doing performance, if you're doing a gaining phase and you jump into a mini cut just to shed a few pounds, there's really no reason to reverse diet because one, four weeks is very short period of time. It's not enough to cause any serious adaptation that you would need a reverse diet for. And two, you were just doing the mini cut to shed a few pounds so you can be healthier to get back to the gaining. So don't baby the process to getting your calories back up to where they need to be to perform well or build muscle. Just 
get at it. Get at it. Get right up there yeah. and start gaining. Um, but in general, like, she's asking for a vacation, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what she said? Uh, yeah. Mini cut before a vacation. Or uh, lo- uh, No, no. Does it make sense to do an aggressive mini cut to lean out a bit or and lose a bit of fat that was gained on a holiday? Ah. Uh, yes, that can work too. I think that's totally fine. Um, some It, it depends because I think some people – I've seen this exact question and I'm like, oh, okay, well, like how much weight did you gain? They're like – I gained a kilo, which she's from Europe, so she would be measuring kilos too. I gained a kilo, and I'm like, oh, that's just like – and that's like 2.2 pounds. It's like just water weight. Like Mm -hmm. don't diet after that. Just go back to your normal macros. You'll flush out water weight. You'll drop that a little bit because it's just such a small fluctuation. Now, if you're gone on a month for vacation and you gain five pounds, six pounds, then I'd be like, yeah, go on a mini cut. You you might only need a week or two realistically because – the, the metabolism likes to be kind of like stationary in, in a single place. That's why like, like for example, for me right now, if I go into a cut, I'm not going to drop a hundred calories because nothing's going to happen. I'm going to have to drop like 500 calories. I got to make an aggressive cut to get into that process because the metabolism likes to be, it, it likes homeostasis. It likes to find it's like static position, right? And to get it out of that, you need to make aggressive changes. For sure. So in that goes in the reverse too. So Unless you gain an abnormal amount of weight on vacation, you can probably just go right back to your normal diet and you'll be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, you can do a mini cut. No longer than four weeks, though. For sure. Yeah, you'll be fine. All right. So the next question comes from Landis LaPace. At what point do you think it's necessary to squat and deadlift using knee braces and or a weight belt? I think, first and foremost, any time that it gives you a placebo effect. Mm-hmm. So... You know, for me, I wear, uh, I mean, you see me, I wear knee sleeves and a belt every single time I heavy squat. Part of that is not because I have like, like I need them. Part of it is just like a mental thing. Like for sure. I got my belt on, I got my fucking knee sleeves on, you know, like I'm ready to go. Like yeah. I, I just feel good. It's kind of like a, like for me, I truly, me and Shannon were talking about this the other day. I truly think that I'm completely tolerant to caffeine. Like I don't think it does anything for me. It's actually really unhealthy yeah (laughs) you should like i I should cut out caffeine soon but i'll drink like a couple cups coffee be fine a couple rock stars do a pre-workout shannon will be like oh i feel like having a cup of coffee and it's like 7 p.m all right i'll have a cup with you i'll fall asleep at nine like just out and caffeine's supposed to have a half-life of six hours so if i can fall asleep two hours later it's not a good sign yeah but there's something about taking that caffeine before i work out that gives me this mental like I just had my pre-workout. Like I'm ready to go. Yeah. So I think there's no way you're intolerant to pre-workout. Well, pre-workout is mainly just caffeine. I'm, this is a question. What do you mean? You just don't feel pre-workout. Um. So it depends what you mean by pre. Feel it. So like. So for example, there's there's you some. You throw it down your throat every day. Yeah. There's there's some beta alanine in there. So okay. beta alanine. Um, have you ever taken niacin? Yeah. And it like makes your skin tingly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I got some funny stories about that. Yeah, me too. I, uh, <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, and beta alanine kind of does that same thing. You don't get as red. Yeah. Like nice and you get like really red. Yeah. Um, but beta alanine gives you that tingling sensation. Definitely. I 100% feel that every time. Okay, okay. But that's not really my nervous system or caffeine working, right? Okay. So the caffeine, do I feel it? Yeah, sometimes maybe. But I think it's more mental for me. Um, it's, it's the beta alanine. Beta alanine kicks alanine. in. Beta alanine is like a, a – a, it's a – it essentially helps you with endurance. Okay. So if I'm doing 
40 seconds on the assault bike. I'm more likely to be able to finish that 40 seconds at a higher intensity because of the beta alanine. It just helps me push a little bit further. Gotcha. But if I'm doing a five rep set of squats, it's not really going to do shit. Okay. Um, I think it usually kicks in at like 40 plus seconds, 40 to 60 seconds of, of like nonstop contractions. But um, it helps like buffer lactic acid and stuff like that. But the point with that is that there's a placebo, like this, this mental placebo effect that like kicks in with me when I take creatine or, or not creatine, caffeine or pre-workout. And I think the same thing happens with a belt and knee sleeves. Like I just feel ready to go. So I think for some people, if it makes you feel better, just keep doing it because if you feel better, you feel better. You feel yeah. better. You're going to do better. If you do better, you're going to progress on the training better. Yeah. Um, no matter what the weight is. No matter what the weight is. I think if it's cold, knee sleeves help because it just keeps like heat. Um, there is some data that I want to say, I think it kind of goes back and forth. Some data says that it doesn't do shit. And some says that just the compression helps with joint fluid yeah. and that can help a little bit. Um, a weight belt is really beneficial in my opinion to help with breathing patterns. That's the main reason I use it. Putting a belt on isn't going to save your back. And if that's the only thing that is saving your back, then you have dysfunction in your core and your glutes and your hip flex, whatever it may be that's causing the back issues that you need to address. Don't just put a Band-Aid on it, right? Um, and just keep, if you just keep re-injuring it. But a lot of people don't know how to breathe diaphragmatically. So they don't know how to breathe, like they're, they're chest breathers. They breathe way up here, right? Mm -hmm. And when they go up here, they flare their rib cage. There's no integrity in the yeah. core to stay strong. So if you can keep your rib cage compressed and you can breathe through your lower belly, like your lower abdominals, yeah. it's diaphragmatic breathing. It's easier with a cue. So like if I put my hand right here on my lower stomach, it's easier to breathe into my hand and keep the air down there than it is if I don't have my hand there. It's an external cue. Yep, yep. Well, a belt is an external cue. Having that belt on allows me to breathe into it. Mm. So I think for that reason, I think it's good because it does keep your core tighter if you're using it for breathing purposes. That's why I don't even, I don't tighten it too tight because I just want it there to, I just want to feel it. Um, I think knee sleeves do keep your knees a little bit warmer. So it kind of just depends. I mean, I think some people's idea of the belt is like seeing these massive bodybuilders that are deadlifting that yeah. you have to use them. Yeah. I'm assuming from a naive standpoint, they have to use a belt. Yeah. I mean, there is a benefit when you go heavy enough, and that's why I think that yeah. the, this person's asking the question, is there like a quote-unquote weight where you need to start using it? But that weight probably is probably freaking heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that weight is different for everybody, though. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and I think that – like because some people argue like you shouldn't need a belt, but those same people will sometimes argue like you don't need to go that heavy, which yeah. is very true too. Yeah. Like I don't need to do three rep max effort squats. Yep. But I want to. Yeah. Just because I fucking think it's cool, you know, <laughs> like it, it really isn't that conducive to my overall growth, which is, which is muscle growth, but it is conducive to my mental motivation to train because it just, it's fun. Yeah. So I think there's benefit to it. I would use it. I mean, and it's one of those things where like there's some, I think there's some like movement gurus who are like really into physical therapy and mobility stuff that are like anti-bell, you don't need that stuff. Yet all these really jack strong guys and girls are wearing belts. Yeah. So I'm going to wear a belt. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a reason because they like to go heavy. And if you want to go heavy, sometimes it's helpful. For sure. But but I still do think the biggest benefit of the belt is for the breathing. Um, and I think for knee sleeves, it just kind of keeps fluid and, and, and warmth in your in your joints. For sure. All right, moving on to the next question we got from uh, Jesse Hermiller. Uh, I don't know what this acronym is. MFP. My Fitness Pal. Haha. <laughs> Recently, my fitness pal added a feature that allows you to 
track net carbs. I probably could have read it and figured it out. This sparked a conversation between me and my husband. He says only he said he says he only tracks net carbs when in a deficit because it allows him to eat more because he is he would technically have those extra carb calories. So then he's not as hungry. Thoughts on this and should I be doing this? No, don't do that. Um this one made me laugh because in and not like in the sense like I'm making fun of you because you're not a nutritionist. So yeah. why would you know? That's why they do it this way. They market that way. So if you look at like a like a I don't think Quest Bar ever did it, but like for example, a Quest Bar has a lot of fiber in it. So it's like 25 grams of carbs, right? And 19 of those are fiber. So it would actually just say six net carbs, but that's not true because there's still 19 grams of fiber. Mm. So some fiber gets digested, some doesn't. Fiber does pull in water, so on and so forth. Fiber binds to cholesterol. Like there's a lot of things that go on. So it's not just an invisible calorie that doesn't count. Like yeah. it's, it's there. Um, and, and the reason I think it's funny is because these marketing companies would change the label. So people are like, oh, this only has six grams of carbs. But it wasn't counting sugar alcohols. It wasn't counting erythrol. It wasn't counting insoluble and, and fiber, uh, pre prebiotic fiber, all these different things. Those are calories. They're yeah. still calories, right? So, um, and it's funny because he said, so I feel fuller. Cause it's like, well, you feel fuller because you're not in a deficit anymore. You're tracking net carbs. So you're eating way more carbs than you're tracking so you think you're down here. You're like, man, I'm, I'm in this diet and I, I don't feel very hungry, but really you're eating way up here because you have all these net carbs, quote unquote. Hmm. Um, now, granted, some people could do that and lose weight, but I don't think they're losing weight because of the net carbs. I think they're losing weight because they would change their food sources. The only foods that are going to have the ability to even say they only have net carbs are healthy foods with high fiber. Yeah, so clean eating. Yeah, you're going to be eating way cleaner. You're going to be eating whole foods, primarily fruits and vegetables and, and produce mm -hmm. and, and starches that are healthy. So you're probably going to lose weight from that, not because it's net carbs versus regular. But um, in general, this has been debunked a bunch of times. Like if you search, are net carbs true? Like I think we have some stuff that we put out about it. Um, and I know there's some really good YouTube videos from other people I respect in the industry that, that dive into it. It, it was purely just a marketing scheme to try to get people to eat their foods because it seemed lower calorie because sure. they could say that. Yeah. Um, but all calories are calories and doesn't matter. That's why you can eat clean foods. Like if you ate nothing but chicken, salmon, broccoli, and quinoa, all clean foods with high nutrients, and you were in a surplus, you'd still get fat because you're eating in a caloric surplus. There's no way around therm thermodynamics. Gotcha. It's just what it is. Yeah. Touche. And that's why you also got to be careful about like – Walden Farms and gum and all these like sugar-free things that say zero calories, but they say like 20 grams of carbs, <laughs> like because there's things that are technically um, non-digestible in there, or they're non-insulogenic, so they don't cause an insulin spike. So maybe they're sugar alcohols that they don't need to count or whatever it may be. Um, it's still calories, yeah, like to an extent. I think it to a lesser degree than normal food, but you still got to be careful with that. Like eating a lot of that shit's not good for you, for sure. All right, um, cool. So next question comes from Sepinok. Sep Sepinok. Hmm. Do you have experience working with type one diabetics on muscle gain and nutrition? And if so, any do you have any solid tips or tricks on how to build muscle but keep blood sugars in the optimal range? Yeah, I'm not going to dive too deep into this one because it's pretty individual, yeah. and that's and that's a it's a very special scenario where you don't want to give bad advice to the wrong person, and then yeah. them 
have issues. I mean, <coughs> type one diabetics can die if things aren't done properly. Um, but I do have uh, a couple clients with me right now who are type one diabetics and I've had handfuls of them in the past. Um, sex friend, I was actually just talking to Shannon about this again. Um, she was asking about something and I was using a client as an example that I had that passed out during a workout and didn't tell me that he had type that he had diabetes in like, it was a while ago. Yeah. I remember was, this. Yeah, yeah. When I was training people in person, it was that during strength camp yeah. and thank God it was in October. So it was Halloween season. So I had candy at the front desk and I just started basically like putting Snickers into his mouth. So the sugar would hit his yeah, tongue and start yeah. digesting. And then he like woke up because he needed something to spike his insulin, some sugar. Damn. Um, so the, the best advice I can give is, is going to be, you're probably going to have to have, you know, there is some type one diabetics that do well with like keto or intermittent fasting where they just remove all carbs. Um, however, I don't think, I think you can lose weight effectively and potentially help with diabetes by doing that, especially with type one, because they have uh, a, a, a machine. I can't remember what it's called. A, machine, yeah. a glucose machine. That's actually yeah. putting pumping, pumping insulin. Yeah. Them. Um, so you can do that for sure. And with type twos, you can do it because it just helps improve insulin sensitivity and that might remove insulin resistance, which is part of what diabetes is. But I don't like that for building muscle or performance. So if I have somebody who's like, I want to look lean, have less fat, but I want to perform well, I want to be strong, want to have good muscle mass, you need carbs. So it's better to just have a, a moderate carb approach, space the carbs throughout the day. You're going to have uh, lower glycemic or complex carbs, so high fiber, slow digestion carbs. So you're just kind of constantly like in that healthy range of blood sure. sugars. Um, I usually like to have intra-workout carbs. So like you can do like a highly branched cyclic dextrin, but I usually like um, – I actually think it's called clean carbs. It's a powder, but it's made from – uh, oats, sweet potato, and blueberries. Mm. So it's like really natural, complex carb sources in a powder that you can just drink during your workout. Um, throw some amino acids in there, and I think that's a good a good route to go. But that that way, the biggest danger is when you're working out at an intense level is the, that blood sugar dropping, and that's when that guy like fainted on me yeah. just hit the floor because they can't control it. Yeah. Um, even I've been in a place where like I didn't time my nutrients right, and I was doing a really hard workout, and I went hyperglycemic. Uh, hypoglycemic and I started like shaking and yeah. shit and I have to like drink some juice or some uh, have some like sugary gum or something and it like kicks me out of it but um, it's like a scary scary thing not with a them. good feeling no yeah. how, like sorry how did you know how did you find out that he was type 1 diabetic some somebody in there knew yeah his wife trained there too oh okay yeah um, and she was there training too yeah okay so I um, didn't know if like he passed out and you're like how did you figure out he was why he passed out? Yeah, she said. Okay. She, she was like, yeah. he needs sugar. Yeah. He's diabetic. And I was like, oh, shit. So we grabbed something. That's definitely something you should tell us. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> when you get started. Yeah. Um, which is fine, too, because, like, after that or with my other clients, it was just like they'd come in and be like, hey, when was the last time you ate? Uh, I ate about an hour ago. What would you eat? And I want to make sure they're eating the right things at the right times. Definitely. And I'm like, okay, did you bring a Gatorade? And it's like, yep, okay, just in case. Put that over there. Cool. You know you know what I mean? But And it's it's that easy. Just like work around it or yeah and if you don't want to do like a powdered carb source like i would literally bring a gatorade to all your workouts just in case you need a fast acting sugar to help kick you out of it Dope. um but but i also think a lot of people overcomplicate it they really do um i'm trying to think of this guy's name he's a i think he's he's either from britain or ireland but he's a professional bodybuilder i think his last name is graham g-r-a-h-a-m he's a type 1 diabetic professional bodybuilder um 
and I'm like 90% sure he doesn't do any fasting or low carb. He does the same exact thing. It's very simple. Just have good carbs, have them spaced throughout the day, have some kind of intra-workout carbohydrate source, um, and you should be good. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people have complicated, yeah. which I understand why it's a scary, for sure, a scary client to work with. All right. So next one comes from Eileen Farrell. Why do some diet breaks increase or adjust? Wait, why do some diet breaks increase or adjust just one macro while others increase more than one macro? Yeah. So this would be like, uh, I think sh she wrote more in there and I think her example was like, on a carb cycling diet, they'll take a diet break and raise fats on uh, low carb days and carbs on high carb days. I don't like that approach. Um, unless you have like a really long history of being metabolically flexible, like you can shift between like keto and high carb diets, which is very, very rare for most people. Yeah. I don't find that to be a useful strategy. I think that it's better off, even if you're doing a carb cycling and you have low carb, high carb days, just take a week of high carbs the whole week. Um, just have your fat at your minimum. Um, most research done with diet breaks that shows effectiveness of like recovery, uh, mental, uh, like a psychological relief, stuff like that. But also for performance because you're replenishing glycogen, it always uses carbohydrates. And when we see research showing refeeds or diet breaks and people not gaining weight from taking these high calorie periods of time, it's always from an increase in carbohydrates. So I think that is helpful proof to show that it's less likely to put on body fat during a diet break if you increase your calories via carbohydrates. Now, the only time I would suggest increasing fats as well is less like doing fats on some days, carbs on some days. It's more like, hey, like just because of an adherence standpoint with this specific client, I'm not going to just raise carbs. I'm just going to raise calories and you can decide what you do. So maybe I say like, okay, we're increasing calories by 500. Track your protein. Don't worry about carbs and fat. That allows me to go out to dinner and be like, well, it doesn't matter what I order as long as I'm within my calories. Yeah. Right? I don't have to try to find the low-fat, high-carb option. I'm just going to go and enjoy myself. And for some people, that's really helpful. And I do use that a lot for like lifestyle clients who are just trying to lose weight that are taking a diet break and we don't need to get lost in the weeds. But for people who are more physique and performance-driven, 100% of the time, it's always carbohydrates increasing. For sure. So there's just more there's just more science to prove that that's less likely to store as body fat. Yeah. So be more flexible with. Yeah. All right. Um, we got one from Val Leak. Circadian rhythms affect on muscle building and fat loss. Question mark. Go check out Chrono Nutrition with Danny Lennon. I did a podcast with him. Really, really good. We kind of dove into – it's really about – Chrono Nutrition is like the idea that your meal timing changes your circadian rhythm. Um, but in general, I mean, it, it's a pretty hard question to answer because it's just very vague. Like your circadian rhythms effect, well, it has a huge effect, but it has a huge effect on everything because your circadian rhythm in a way dictates your hunger and craving cues. It dictates, um, your stress and sleep patterns. It dictates your energy levels. It dictates your hormone profile and balance, your recovery. So your metabolism. So for me to say that like its effect is large is very vague, but that's, I mean, it affects a lot, yeah. right? So if your circadian rhythm's out of whack, this is why like, uh, people who work shift job, like shift work jobs where they're like working some nights, some days, whatever, and they have like bad sleep, they get 
it, it's much harder to get results. Get results, and and usually they have more mood swings. They have uh, more health issues with hormones and, and thyroid dysfunction and metabolism dysfunction and stuff like that, because their circadian rhythm is completely out of whack. Your circadian rhythm is basically your body clock, and it's ran by physical activity, sleep patterns, and when you're eating. Um, mainly sleep and when you're eating, and then and then third training patterns, but setting up the the routine of your meals being at the same times every day throughout the day even if you're changing what you eat if you're eating food at the same times and not just grazing and eating snacks all day like you are going to have a better circadian rhythm you're going to have better insulin sensitivity you're going to burn more calories per day at maintenance so your maintenance will actually be higher and this is proven so this is why when we structure a diet for clients i'm pretty adamant about saying like hey let's pick times of the day that you're going to eat, whether it's three meals or four meals or five meals or six meals, I don't care, whatever works for you, but let's pick those times and try to eat at that time with give or take 30 minutes to an hour every single day. Yeah. Um, that's why for me, I always eat around seven. I always eat around noon. I always eat around six and then I eat a snack before I go to bed at like eight or nine. Right. So it's like clockwork, but because of that, my body can get into a comfortable circadian rhythm and all of these different benefits are going to be more likely to happen. Yeah. So it's effect on building muscle is pretty large because if your circadian rhythm is pretty far off, it's probably because your sleep patterns and your food is off. And if your sleep patterns and your food is off, it's going to be harder to build muscle period. Um, as far as fat loss goes, it's basically the same exact thing. Your recovery is going to be worse. Basal metabolic rate might slow down a little bit. You might have some hormonal issues and that's going to be harder to lose fat because of that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a pretty massive effect, but we have a blog. I want to say it's literally called uh, I think it's called circadian rhythm and fat loss. And then it's like shift workers, some, some, some. So we'll link that in the show notes and then we'll link the Danny Lennon corner nutrition episode. Cause those two will give you like a really good in-depth ideas and concepts and details about like what to do for sure. I know we have a, uh, at least one blog. On yeah. There. I just can't remember what's called. Like Caroline wrote it. Yep. She was working with a bunch of like firefighters who had these like crazy schedules in like, uh, EMTs. And so she wanted to write it and, and it's good. It, it kind of covers the basics. Like it's not complicated and it, it, I mean, it's obvious mm-hmm. if your sleep's that fucked up, of yeah. course it's going to be hard to, yeah. you know, you're out of rhythm. Um, but that's really all it is. And so like for a lot of people in those situations, like the best advice is get a new job, yeah. which is like not very applicable advice yeah. for some people, but it's true, yeah. you know, and it's hard. So like we even have, we have a guy that works shift work, but it's like three days in a row. And then he has like, a full week off or something like it's it's pretty spread out so for him i'm like hey like you're not training on those three days and you're not training the day after and then you're going to train like six days in a row and then you're going to take four days off six days on four days off because when you're working and your sleep's all out of whack your meals are going to be scattered i don't want you training too it's just going to like throw another fire into it you know into the flame and just make it worse um but yeah it's just managing those things for sure that's good all right, so um, all right, this one's from Isaac Moe. It says, "What would you say are the benefits of red meat and potential negatives of red meat?" Start with the negatives. Um, 
for some people, red meat can be hard to digest. Usually like ground beef and stuff isn't, but like some like thick steaks, you know, especially if you don't cook them well, those can be hard for people to digest. So some people's guts just don't handle them. Other than that, there's really no downside. There was, you know, there was some studies that tried to link red meat to cancer. But if you look at where they're sourcing the red meat, it's like fucking McDonald's and canned red meat and shit like that. It's like, but they use this blanket statement of red yeah. meat. So like these titles come out and these headlines and people are like, holy shit, red meat causes cancer. It's like, no, the fast food you were eating where you got the red meat caused cancer. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not good for you. Um, I would super say processed. You ha- it's super processed. And, yeah. and there's God knows what else in there. Yeah. You know, have you ever seen the documentary of yes. like Super Size Me? Uh, I can't remember. I think that might have been it yeah. where they show how they make the chicken nuggets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so gross. Now it's new, real white meat. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, I did a, a, a uh, like a project on that. And, nutrition class in college like on that documentary and like the fast food world and stuff yeah. and it like i was like whoa and that was right when i got into fitness so i was like i just stopped eating fast food but that was like all right i'm done yeah <laughs> no more but uh the only other benefit like con or negative i can think of is that um people who are anemic no not anemic what is the word um uh diabetic no if you're uh you have too much iron um so you're not you're not iron deficient you're iron efficient i guess but i can't remember the word ah here you go hemochromatosis this is why i couldn't remember it whoa hemochromatosis 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 so um, basically what it is, it's a condition where the, the blood absorbs too much and stores too much iron. So if you are one of these people, you have too much iron storing in your blood and you're not cycling it out. And if you eat a ton of red meat, red meat, super high in iron, then you might have an issue because you're already having too much iron stored in your body. Um, but then there's other people who are, uh, deficient in iron. And I believe that's where like, they start bruising super easily and they're, uh, so on and so forth. And for those people, you might actually benefit from having yeah. red meat because you get some iron. Um, but those are the only cons I can think of. I like, I, especially if you're sourcing it from good places, if you're getting grass fed organic red meat, you have no problems in the world. Um, and even for those who can't afford that, like you're still going to be fine if you have a steak from Costco, you know, yes. that doesn't say grass fed on it. Yeah. Um, the pros of it is one, it's a really, really good protein source Two, It has a lot of creatine in, in it, um, which not all, most meat does, but steak and, and red meat is like the highest in creatine. And then, um, you're going to get a ton of micronutrients. Like he kind of mentioned, like there's a ton of, uh, vitamins and minerals, iron, B vitamins, so on and so forth. And, and they just get stored in that a little bit better. Um, the thing I would say you have to be careful with is, is the fattier the meat, and this might be just like a wives tale, but the fattier the meat, the more likely you should be sourcing it organically or grass fed because they say, which would make sense because typically like if we lose a bunch of body fat, we might have a hormonal imbalance because hormones store in body fat, right? Fat tissue and fats that we ingest in our, in our diet help produce hormones. Well, if we have a super fatty cow and they're injecting the cows with hormones to grow them, that hormones are going to store in the fat. Definitely. And if we're eating the fat, it's a problem. With like chicken, not as much of that's going to be left over because it's so lean. There's yeah. very little fat. 
Um, so I always say like, you should source it. Like I would source all your meat. It just makes more sense and support small businesses and local, local farmers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, not big pharma, but, um, that's, that's really it. I, I love red meat. I encourage all my clients to eat it. Cause it's like super nutrient dense, super great protein source. It's more filling mm-hmm. than chicken typically is just cause there's more calories in a steak than there is in a chicken breast. Um, so yeah. That's the rundown. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one comes from Tiffany or, or oh, here we go. Orlinsky. I'm not even going to try that. Tiffany, uh, what are your thoughts on females over 40 staying at maintenance calories to build muscle instead of a surplus or at a very, or at very most a small enough surplus to only gain about a half a pound a month? I'm all about it. I think that's yeah. honestly the best way to go. I think realistically a half a pound a month is actually a good range for most women to shoot for because any more than that is you're basically guaranteeing some fat accumulation, which you might have to gain a little bit of fat. But even for me, like the way my gaining phase went as, as a male who has a good amount of testosterone and, and growth hormones in his body and just in general, I can build muscle. I'm younger. I gained pretty quickly at the very beginning and then it slowed down a ton and it was about like a pound a month. So that's half of as much as me, which makes sense. Like yeah. women are probably going to build 50% less muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if, if we look at like the whole six months and we just averaged out the 11 pounds I gained, it's going to be more than a pound a month. Yep. You know what I mean? But the first few months was like two or three pounds a month and then it like slowed way down. Yeah. Um, but I think half a pound is good. I don't think you need to be in a huge surplus. I think... You know, if you haven't got my uh, tailored nutrition method, it's a free ebook. It's like 86 pages or some shit. I actually show you like rates of gain. Yep. So like for a natural lifter, like how much should you be gaining if you're a male or a female, if you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced? Um, and how many calories do you need to go into a surplus with to do that? Um, I think for this person, if you are a beginner, I don't think you need to go into a surplus. You can stay at maintenance. You're going to build muscle and you're going to gain at a slow rate just fine. If you are intermediate or closer to an advanced lifter, you're probably going to need to go into a small surplus because you just need an excess of calories to be able to rebuild that tissue. Plain and simple. But overall, the, like the strategy you're talking about, I think is a great. Um, I'm going to refer to the female muscle growth guide. I think we called it the, the ultimate guide to female muscle growth. Gotcha. That's what it is. Great name. Um, we did a podcast and a blog. And that one I go super in depth into how to, how to structure it as a female. Yeah takes a lot of patience, but that's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one is grace.well. All right. She says, I'm trying to gain muscle and am using your four-day split program. However, I don't have much time to com- complete it in one session, so I am doing bots of 10 to 15 minutes throughout the day to finish my whole session. I want to ask if it... I want to ask if doing it that way, scattered throughout the day, will have any uh, or have any less effective instead of continuously knocking it out in one session. I think, like theoretically speaking, I can't say that it's going to be less effective because it's like you're doing the work. Yeah. You know, if you're doing the work, you're doing the work. But my experience says it just wouldn't be as effective. Um, you know, like I could say. You know, like your time under tension and your work capacity isn't going to be as great because you're not doing as much in as little time. But then there's a lot of data to show, eh, time under tension doesn't really matter as long as volume's there. Um, 
But I would also say too, like I know for me, if I picked it up and did like, I'm going to do one exercise right now and lift this heavy. Like I'd have to rewarm up, yep. get going. Like I just don't think you'll be able to perform at as high of an intensity or percentage of your one rep max, like lift as heavy as you possibly can with good execution doing those little bouts. If you, if you break it up. Yeah. If you yeah. break it up, I don't see that happening. Um, and I think you wouldn't be able to tell until you got a few weeks in because that's when you're like, okay, my weights aren't going up. Yep. Right. Like, so, but if it, I mean, and if you're going to split it up, I would split it up into two sessions, one in the morning. And then once they say like, if you're doing two days, you should have, um, six plus hours apart. So yeah. one in the morning and then one in the evening, six hours at least spread yeah. apart. Um, and if you're doing that, you could split it up into two. So you could go, you know, I'm going to hit my compounds in the morning, bench, bent row, chin up, like all the heavy stuff. And then at night I'm going to do my curls and lateral raises, stuff that doesn't take that much energy yeah. and you don't need to warm up for. Man, it seems like a, I know breaking it up, it's just the same amount of time. But if you're going to a public gym, that's yeah. driving time. I got to assume that she's in a garage gym. Yeah. Because otherwise that would just be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or working in a gym. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would. I there's situations that could work. Yeah, I just, I, I would highly recommend against it. Yep. I think, I think you'll get better results doing it just all in one. All right, next one is from uh, Annie Colane, eighty four. I'm at the end of my cut and was supposed to be starting to reverse back up, training for a powerlifting meet in October. Well, now I'm stuck on the couch with a torn meniscus, waiting to see the surgeon. What would be the best nutrition macro? What would be the best nutrition slash macros for me to do now? Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Damn. Been there three times. Um, it's not fun. And uh, like she, she added more to this and she was like, I'm, I'm tired of low calories, but obviously strength training. So much. I'm going to say like toughen it up. Like yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, like you, you can take one of two routes. If you're really focused on not putting on much weight during that time, I would use a uh, modified intermittent fasting approach where you wake up, you have like your fish oil in green drink and in protein shake. So you're, that means like less than 200 calories, really low calorie, but it's just get your protein in and then continue your fast. And then at lunch, have like a small lunch, low carb. And then at dinner, have another, like a larger meal, low carb. So your two big meals, you don't feel like they're tiny and you don't feel deprived, but your overall calories are low. Overall protein is really high. You should probably be at above your body weight and protein. Um, I think the extra collagen and amino acids going through your body is just going to help recovery. And they, and they show that, that having an influx of amino acids and protein in your system during um, whether it's ligaments or tendon repair or it's like a burn victim, things like glutamine and amino acids, stuff like that, they do help repair that mm. tissue faster. So ultra-high protein diet, low carb, um, because your activity is going to be pretty low, so you just don't need as many carbs. And then just normal fat, I think, which is going to overall be a lower-calorie diet, it's going to be your best bet if you want to avoid gaining any weight. The other route is you can just focus on how you feel and how fast you recover, and you could – gain a little bit of weight and not care for sure that's the route i went yeah. i was like well i'm probably gonna put on some pounds of fat and at the end of this i'll start training again and i'll lose it like yeah. I, don't, I don't care i'd rather heal as fast as possible and be able to work productively since i'm gonna have so much downtime and for me if i went into a deficit i wouldn't be able to do that yeah so i i still followed a low carb approach because i wasn't very active but i had a, more fats than normal and then i had ultra high protein and I wasn't worried about losing any weight. Yeah. I actually gained a little bit of weight because I was so inactive. But it helped me work and be productive on my job. And it helped me not go insane. And I think it helped yeah. me recover faster. Yeah. Just the energy and 
Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like food is going to help recovery because it's energy coming in to repair what's going on in your body. So if you want to recover faster, going into a deficit probably isn't the best bet. So I would probably go, I would probably stay around maintenance yeah. during that time. Oh, and then uh, supplements, I guess I could add too. Really for that, it's like fish oil would be good because anti-inflammatory and just good for health purposes. Um, you might want to do like whey protein, amino acids or collagen. Um, it's like kind of like split hairs. You don't need it, but it might help. I did a lot of collagen and, and protein powder and I don't do collagen normally, but I did during that time. Um, just for healing. Yeah. Just, just because there is some research that says it might help with like tendons and ligaments and stuff like that. Um, and joint health, but, um, I wouldn't put too much money on it for, for me. It was like, I like the taste of it in my coffee and I don't mind spending the money. So whatever, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, if it helped, it helped. And it helped. Yeah. The rest is going to come from nutrition, like focusing on good anti-inflammatory foods, being on a lower, lower carb diet, like plenty of protein. Yeah. And you'll be fine. Yeah. Dope. All right. Well, we got one last question comes from Emma Bacara. Uh, Emma Bacara Bacara. Um, do you have any thoughts on Greg Duchette? Duchette. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And it's a uh, YouTuber. Fitness YouTuber. So Greg has a pretty popular channel. I want to say he's got like, I, I just looked a little bit ago, it was like 600 something thousand subscribers. Um, I don't, I haven't watched a ton of his videos. I watched him try to, he made a video basically, I don't know what he was saying. He was saying something about Jeff Nippard. And positive or negative? Negative. Oh, really? And I, but it's one of those things where, okay. So do you know? Do you know how Fifty Cent got his name out in the beginning? He came out with a, a mixtape. It wasn't very popular, and he just started talking mad shit against Jay Z, Nas, <laughs> Ja Rule, all the all the rappers in New York. Yeah, we got a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he blew up. Yeah, I think that's what that tactic was. Oh. It's like coming out and attacking somebody who is. Obviously, really smart. Yeah. Obviously, has a successful channel. He has two million subscribers, yeah. and knows what he's doing. So he's yeah. going to attack him and try to get some eyes on it, his page because of it. Um, that to me was, I mean, one, I'm a fan of Jeff Nippard, and two, like when people do those kind of things, it kind of it puts, off. yeah, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and he's also one of those guys that like he gets really, really amped up. Yeah, and he has this high pitched voice and like just he just yells. Yeah, so. To me, it's one of those – it just seems like an attention grabber. You know, I don't know. And, and here's the thing too is like I – and he's jacked, yeah. so he knows something. <laughs> but um, – and I don't know if he's natural or what. But I also haven't watched enough of his videos to really say like he's well-educated or not. Yep. So I can't say he's not an educated lifter because I really don't know. Yep. I haven't given him the time of day. But I watched that and then I watched Jeff Nippert come out with something uh, again. And then I watched two other guys I respect – answer this question somebody asked them and i agreed with them and i wasn't a huge fan i'm just not a huge fan of people that use their platform to attack someone. yeah that and like it's very uh clickbaity like yeah. if you look at uh like he had that video it's like why lebron's diet sucks <laughs> it's like okay let me watch this like yeah. i really want to know <laughs> you know but it's not and it could be something completely unrelated or like just like barely mentioning lebron yep. you know yep. and, and i didn't yep. watch the video so i can't say that he did or not but Using titles and pictures and, and other people's name to try to get clicks, I think is, you know, I use Stupid. other I use <laughs> other people's name to get clicks when I interview them. Yeah, and them myself and they are having a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put it's their name in the title. Thing. You know what I mean? 
Um, but I, I just, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I think, uh, I think, and he's a little too intense for my liking. I like somebody that can, like, I feel like I'm pretty intense. You're just quick talked. I, I'm, and I'm passionate. Yeah. But there like, he's like aggressively there, passionate. Yeah. 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 Like it kind of turns me off. Yep. Um, calm down, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's Some my thoughts. Like that. And I think, I think at the end of the day, like you can really, you can really do like a lot of fact checking on anybody if they use too much clickbait or if anything they say isn't backed by evidence, you have to question them, you know, like, and, and again, not saying that he never says anything on evidence based. I'm not, yeah. he probably knows that calories matter. Like, but I think that there's a lot of things you just got to be leery of, you know, like any absolutes, for example, like you'll hear me say it depends so damn much because Everything depends. Like yep. it's all individual. It all depends on different circumstances. Nothing is black and white. Yep. That could be the right answer for you, but not for them. Like yep. so, I think that you got to be aware of clickbait. You got to be aware of people who say definitive black and white answers. Um, and yeah, I just I don't know. That's the only opinion I have on him because I haven't I haven't dug into his stuff too much. Yeah, but that's what I would say. Cool. Well. <laughs> Go watch more of his stuff. Let's put his name in the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't put his name in the title of this podcast because of that. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but see, that's – but that's like – what people do. That's what people do. That would be me titling this Q&A, my thoughts on Greg yep. Doucette or yep. whatever his name is. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's the last question for today. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.